the greatest among you shall be a servant. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For whoever shall save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning. You guys are the dedicated ones. First weekend of spring break, and you are here, and we are excited that we are here together to lift up the, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we've been in a series for uh, three weeks now. Today's the third week called Upside Down Kingdom, and what we've been looking at is different statements that Jesus made that seem to contradict or counteract or go the opposite way of the world. Uh, we, we've talked about things like last being first. You know, that the greatest among you will be your servant. I said last week we talked about give to receive, that Jesus says it is more blessed to be a generous person than to be a person uh, that just receives, and that we're actually more blessed to do that. And here in week three of the Upside Down Kingdom, we're going to be talking about how slavery is actually freedom when you become a bondservant or a slave of Jesus Christ. Just want to remind everybody, if you miss a week in the series, you can always find those messages on the app or online. We also have a YouTube channel here at the church, and you, just, you can subscribe to that and always catch up on the content that you've missed. This morning, you can follow along in the app with the outline and the scriptures for today, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and open up your Bible to the scripture. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. If you don't have one this morning, please grab that one that's right there in front of you and turn it to page 943, and you'll be exactly where we need to be this morning as we study the Word of Scripture together. Our, our guiding verse for this series is Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And this is what it says. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know, it seems like in life there's so many people that are well-intentioned and, and they would say, you know, the way I'm going in life, it's not hurting anyone, at least I can't see that. And, and so I feel like it's the right way. And we don't sometimes notice the ramifications of what we're doing. We don't notice that because we've made this choice, we're actually walking further away from God. And it seems right, it seems okay, the direction we're going in our life, but its end is the way to death. Which brings us to our main thought for the Upside Down Kingdom this morning, and that is this. That true freedom in your life is found by making Jesus Christ your master, the ruler of your life. True freedom is found by making Jesus Christ your master and the ruler of your life. Now, this concept seems backwards, doesn't it? It seems upside down that you would be in bondage to someone and yet experience true freedom how can you submit to yourself and let someone be your master and call yourself free but we're going to see in the scriptures today that true freedom is found when you are a bond servant of jesus christ and when you are bonded to jesus there's deliverance from the bondage of sin and true freedom is finally found now before we go any further this morning i want you to understand that this issue that we're going to be talking about today is really a lordship issue. 
And what I mean by that is that we have to ask ourselves, who is really the Lord over our life? Because someone is the Lord over your life. So many times here in the United States of America, we like to say, I'm a self-made man or self-made woman, and I don't need anybody, and I did everything, and I have everything because what I did, and it's all about me. And we find that the lordship of our life is ourself. But Christians are called to something different. The lordship of their life shouldn't be anything in this world. It should only be Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot about this this concept in the New Testament. Today we're going to look at just two uh, passages in Romans. So Romans chapter 7. We're going to begin with verse 13. Again, page 943 if you're following along in one of our Bibles. In this section of Scripture, Paul is really crying out. This is one of those times where he's just being real. He's laying it all out. And I think all of you are going to be able to hear this this morning and relate to this. You're going to hear this, you're going to say, you know what, I, I, I get it, man. I, I understand what he's struggling with. I understand what he's going through. Beginning there with verse 13, it says, Did that which is good then bring death to me? In other words, did good things in life bring any kind of sadness or death to me? He says, by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin. And through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. And he's going to begin talking about the law and how the law shows us our sinfulness because we can't keep it. We can never be good enough or perfect enough to follow the laws of God. Look what it says in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. I'm sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I, not, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be that this law, that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Another version, another translation of Scripture um, says that, that even though I want to keep the law, evil is right there with me. You ever felt that way? That, that you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to live your life, but it just seems like evil is just right there with you. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Another translation says it this way. What a wretch of a man I am. Who can save me from this life of sin? And he gives us the answer in verse 25. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he is the only way he is the only way that we'll ever be counted as righteous people. Now, I want you to turn over. We're in Romans 7. Let's turn over back to Romans 6. And in Romans 6 here, he's talking about a similar thing, but he, he's talking about it in a way that he's talking about whether we're going to be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. So, so go uh, Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 15. It says this, What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law but under grace? 
In other words, should we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? We're not under law, we're under grace, so we can sin, it's okay. And what does he say there? He says, by no means, with an exclamation point again. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Now I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And sanctification is the process of us becoming more like Jesus. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were a sinner and you were outside of Christ Jesus, you were free from righteousness. No one looked at you, not even God, and expected you to be righteous because you were a slave to sin. You were free in regard to righteousness. Verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful, powerful words of Scripture this morning. Powerful words because it's the hope for us, not only for eternal life, but how we're going to make it through this world is that we're going to hope in nothing else, not in our own ability to be good, not in our own ability to do the right thing or to be righteous, but all of that is dependent on our relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. So what are some, what are some things that can come out of reading this today? What are some conclusions that we can draw out of reading all of this Scripture today? I want to share a couple of those with you this morning. The first one is this. Whatever you yield to becomes your master. Whatever you yield to in life becomes your master. Every human being has this natural tendency to give our lives to something. We're going to attach to a cause. We're going to dedicate ourselves to a person. We are going to, to live our lives and have this tendency to yield our wills and yield our lives to something or someone. And we yield our, our lives, then we're going to go the direction of who we've yielded to. And so it's wise and it is good for us to discern the direction in our lives. Okay, I'm going to give you some really simple examples of this this morning. Like if you hang out with a group of friends that are headed to no good thing. You've got a group of friends that you like to, to maybe go hang out with, maybe you party with, maybe you go play softball with, and they just, they never lead you to anything positive in your life. They never lead you down this road where good things happen. And so you have yielded your will to their direction. And they, because of that, they have influence in your life. And they're leading in a direction in your life. And it's almost like they have mastery over you because you're going to go the way they go. I'll give you another example. Maybe you're in a work situation that causes you to become unethical. 
You know, maybe in your business dealings you become unethical because you, you, you figured out to win in this, I've got to do this. Or maybe it's a procedural thing. Maybe you're in the medical field and you say, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to do these 13 things, but I'm only going to do the eight of these. I'm going to cut a corner here so I get it done faster so it makes me look better. You do these unethical things. You are yielding to something that is becoming your master. Maybe you're yielding to success or maybe you're yielding to money or financial gain or something like that. You know, maybe some of you are still, you know, like, 40 and you're playing video games in your parents' basement, okay? And you have yielded yourself to laziness and not getting out and getting a job and not having a life outside of the basement and the video games or whatever it is. You see, we, we constantly are yielding our will and yielding our direction and putting it under the influence of many different things. And that's exactly what Paul is, is speaking to in the passages that we've read today. He's warning us that there's destruction if we sell out to sin and we forsake righteousness. If, if anyone could speak on this, it's the Apostle Paul. He knows this better than anyone. You see, when we think of Paul, what do we think of? We think the Apostle Paul, oh, he's so great, he's so spiritual. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is such a great man, and we should follow him and... and do you remember stories of Paul B.C., Paul before Christ? Do you remember stories of Paul before Christ? Paul, the one that would hunt down Christians and throw them in prison because of their belief in Jesus Christ? People that were righteous and trying to live for God, he'd hunt them down. And he was like a Christian murderer, a Christian... I mean, he, there's recorded in the book of Acts that he was actually holding the coats of individuals who were stoning a Christian martyr to death in the book of Acts. I mean, he was full of hatred, he was full of anger, he was full of immorality. He was just a really, really, really bad dude. You didn't want to be caught with him. He treated Christians horribly. His life was marked by negativity and just... just full of anger and evil but then he met Jesus and he crossed over from the life of sin and being a slave to sin to a life of righteousness and following Jesus Christ and he was never the same again now in Romans 7 today we read about his battle didn't we because that was after Christ he says man the good things I want to do in my life I don't do sometimes and the bad things I want to quit doing I keep doing them, and, and what a wretch of a man I am. Have you ever been that way in your life? Have you ever been just disgusted with your sin? And you're just like, man, what a wretch of a person I am. And, and you say, well, who could save me from this life of sin? Here's the newsflash. You can't be righteous without Jesus. You can't. You could try hard your whole life. You'll never be righteous. You can never keep the law. You might be able to keep one rule, but you're not going to keep them all. And my thing is, I, I love asking this question. How many of you ever lied in your life? If you've told a lie, raise your hand. Okay, just remember, Scripture says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you have told a lie in your life now? You know, more hands go, you know, yeah, if you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. So, <laughs> call a spade a spade. Just don't throw the elbow. Okay, we're not going to get injured in the service. But, but, but Paul, you know, he's saying there, he's saying this is a battle. This is a, he's not saying this is easy. And you become a slave to, to Jesus, you become a slave to righteousness. And it's so easy after that, but it's the only way. He didn't say it's going to be easy, but he says it's the only way. And that's why it's important for us to think about what's influencing us. We've got to watch it. What are we supporting? What are we yielding our wills to? What, what teaching and what mindset are we putting ourselves under? What is influencing our minds and how we think about everything in the world, our worldview, everything in it? Are we allowing ourselves to be slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness? 
But just remember, whatever you yield your will and your way to in life, whatever you give influence over your life, becomes your master. The second thing that we can uh, conclude from our passages this morning is that you are going to struggle and to be tempted constantly to move away from your master. If you, and I put master on there with a capital M, we're talking about Jesus Christ being your master, that you are going to be in a struggle and you're going to be tempted constantly to move away. The devil doesn't just lay down when you become a Christian and say, oh, I'm not going to try, try to get him to stay pure now. I'm, I'm not going to try to get him to sin anymore, you know. I mean, it's the devil's oldest trick. Think about it. To tempt and lure followers of God away. Where did it start? It started in the garden. Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, the first man and woman, he takes on the form of a serpent and he slithers up to them. And he says, hey, is God holding out on you? <laughs> Are you missing something in your life? I know God said, don't eat of this fruit, but hey, what if he's holding out on you? What if you're missing something? Oh, I know why God says don't eat that fruit. He doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. He doesn't want you to become like him, and so he's going to guard and protect. You should really try this fruit. Maybe your life would be better without him. You hear those voices of temptation, and for some, it haunts them and follows them their whole life. There will be seasons of struggle, as the Apostle Paul talked about in our passage today. But we have to remember who we serve and all that He has done for us. It should be motivation to stay in the game and keep Jesus as our Master and our Savior and our Lord. Paul is pointing out to us in these passages that we are either slaves to sinfulness or we are slaves to righteousness and there is no in between here the more I thought of it the more I see Paul's point in it think about this lay out your calendar lay out your life in front of you your day-to-day -day life your normal life your Monday through Saturday kind of life and based on your calendar and based on what it's full of and based on daily decisions and based on what you're putting yourself under the influence of and based on what your plans are would you say just by looking at your life and just laying it all out are you more considered a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin and that's just basing it on the evidence of your life. Don't miss the point here, folks. If you, you don't have to stay in your pattern of sinfulness. Because sinfulness eventually leads to destruction and a downfall in your life. You don't have to stay there. What did it say in our passage? Uh, Romans 6.23 reminds us, it says, For the wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. At the end of chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. What a wretch of a man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks be to God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can have freedom from sin. Because he's our deliverer. He's the one that delivers us. And the scripture says that he purifies us from all unrighteousness. And so we have to put all of our hope in Him, and we have to call Him our Master and our Lord. You know, the word Lord appears in the New Testament so many times, and, and most of the time it's capitalized with a capital L. Most of the times in the original language that, that it was written in, in the Greek, it's a word called kurios, and kurios literally means master. And if you said that in Greek culture back in Jesus' day, they would think as one who is a master over slaves, one that is the master over 
over uh, servants, bond servants in their house. That is the kind of depth of belonging to Jesus that believers are called to have. We are called to not just call him Savior. You know, everybody wants Jesus as Savior, right? Jesus saved me from my situation, saved me from my health problems, saved me from my, my sins, saved me so I can go to heaven, saved me from hell. Everybody likes the saving part, but Jesus says, I want to be your Savior and your Lord. You see, it's a Lordship issue. Who is your true master? And this life of righteousness and being a slave to righteousness as it talks about in Romans 6 today, it's not something you do on your own. It's not a try harder and you'll eventually get there type of thing. It's a decision you make in your life of who's going to be your master and then you love your master and you serve your master and you live and serve him only. But the fact is you're going to struggle and you're going to be tempted constantly to move away from your master. The last thing that we can draw a conclusion from the passage today is that we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make, and this choice will determine the results of our earthly and eternal life. This choice is so important. See, the end game of the enemy is to get our heart's loyalties away from God and turned towards sin. This is a battle to the very end of every person's life. Who are we going to choose? And I want you to notice in the scriptures today, there's not a third option, is there? Did you notice that? In the scripture, what does it say? You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. And I think a lot of us think, oh, no, no, wait, we're the third option. But it's not mentioned in the scripture. I'm the third option. I like having a little bit of sin and a little bit of righteousness. And I would even be honest, maybe I'm 60-40. I'm a Christian 60% of the time, and I do Christian things, and you know, I, I, I come to church, and I, I might do this, and I might serve a little, you know, and so I do some Christian things, but I also do some things that I shouldn't be doing. I, 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 yeah, I would say I'm enslaved to sin, but it's just a little bit of sin, and it's just on this side. And so many of us think we're walking that path, aren't we? We're literally on the fence. That if God drew a line in the sand, we would walk on top of the line and say, Oh, I want you, God, and I want salvation. I want everything you have to offer to give me a blessed life. And I also want to stay here in sinfulness and entangled in this, this, this device that I think serves me or helps me or, or that I enjoy. And all of those vices eventually fade away and lead to destruction. And the scripture just says, No. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. That you can't split it. You can't say, oh, I'm 50-50 or I'm 60-40. Or more than God, I'm 70-30. It's like, you choose. You choose who's going to be your master. And the choice really comes down to this question. Who are you going to trust? You trust yourself? You trust Satan? Or do you trust God? And the choice is really, who do you trust with your life and your future? Who are you going to trust? Who, who's the one that you're going to serve? Who's, who's the one that you're going to dedicate yourself to? And if you think this morning for a second that pushing this decision down the road a bit, that that's okay, that's what scares me for people. 
is that you're sitting here this morning thinking, you know what, I've heard this, and yeah, I know I need to make a decision. Am I going uh, you know, to be slave to sin or slave to righteousness? Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to keep my sinful life and keep moving my own direction in life? And you think and you sit here and you hear sermons, you hear Christ for evangelism in your life, you have loved ones that care about you, and you still sit here this morning and you actually think, I'll make that decision later. I'm going to push that decision down the road a bit. And, and I'll make that decision later in my life. But sadly, you've already chosen by putting the decision off. Because you are a slave already to sin. Because the Bible says we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you're one of those this morning that, yeah, I'm here because my husband drugged me here, my wife drugged me here, my friend drugged me here, and, and I, you know, I don't really want to make a salvation decision. I, I mean, I believe in God and, and I believe this stuff, but... Him being my master seems a little, you know, invasive in my life. You know, when you make that decision that you're not going to make that decision, you've already chosen. And it's a slippery slope. And I hate to think about that Satan wins when he gets you to push the delay button. I'm going to delay that decision in my life. Maybe someday I'll come to Jesus. You see, true freedom is found by making Jesus Christ your master, the ruler of your life. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, it says this. It, was, it said, to the Jews who believed in him, to the Jews who believed in Jesus, Jesus turned to them, Jesus said to them this, if you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. If you are slaves to righteousness, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What is the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so everything that happens today and everything that we're talking about today all revolves around the choice we have to make is, is Jesus going to be our Savior and our Lord? Is He going to be the one that we put ourselves under, that we submit ourselves to? That's the choice we have to make. You know, I love one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joshua. And I have a lot of favorite characters in the Bible, I admit. <laughs> but Joshua is one of those. I went to a conference at Ozark Christian College a few weeks ago. And um, it was about Joshua. All the main sessions and all the speaking was about Joshua. And what's amazing about his life is you have to understand he's, he's probably born in Egypt under the slavery and, and he's brought out, and so he sees the deliverance of God as, as God leads the Israelites, and Moses leads the Israelites, you know, out, and they part the Red Sea, and they, they go, and they're heading to the promised land, but then they have to take a detour in the wilderness for 40 years to die off a generation because of sinfulness and not believing and not trusting in God. But after all that happens, Joshua raise, is raised up, and Joshua becomes their leader. And Joshua does some amazing things. One of the first things he does is he's one of the 12 spies that was sent into the promised land, which is called Canaan. He was one of the 12 spies that was sent in. They sent in one from every tribe in the Israelites, or 12 tribes in Israel, and, and he's one that was sent in. And when they come back and they give a report, everybody says one thing's the same. This land is awesome. This land has grapes that are they're the size of, you know, watermelons. I mean, this, this land is flowing with milk and honey. It's a good place. God really made good on his promise. This promised land to our people is going to be awesome. And we're going to go in and we're going to take the land. And 
Of those 12 spies, if you remember the story, 10 gave a bad report and 2 gave a good report. Not on the land, but on whether they thought they could go in and take it. 10 of the spies were cowardly and said, you know what, I'm not sure because the people groups in that land, they got fortified cities and they're really strong and some of them are big and they, they, they might outnumber us. And, you know, we're like people wandering in the wilderness right now. We're not really getting together. They're fortified in their regiments and, and I'm just not sure we could do it. But there was two spies and one of them was Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua came back and said, no, we can do it. I mean, God says it's our land. I mean, look what he's done. He parts the sea. Does all this stuff. If he says it's, it's, it's our land, it's our land. Let's go, let's go take the land. He was a man of faith. You remember, uh, as, he, as they go through and, they're, and they're, they're going through uh, killing the people groups off and, and winning battles and taking the promised land that God has given them. You know, it's Joshua and the battle of Jericho, the fortified city, and the walls come tumbling down. I mean, all these amazing things about Joshua. You get to the end of the book of Joshua in the Bible, into chapter 24, and just a few verses before it says that Joshua died, it's a very kind of heavy chapter. It just tells them that you know, Joshua, the leader, that has gotten you into the promised land, has done all these great and mighty things. He's about to die. But just in a few verses ahead of that, we read this. This is Joshua chapter 24. And he's talking to the people. Joshua is addressing the Israelites, and he says this to them. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. And serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, the ones that they served beyond the river and in Egypt, and you serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites to whose land you now dwell. But as for me and as for my house, we will serve the Lord." And the people responded. The people then answered and said, Well, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and gave us freedom. And who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went wrong and among all the peoples through whom we have now passed. And the Lord drove out before us all of the peoples, the Amorites who used to live in this land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And then you just read a few more scriptures down. It says, and Joshua died. <laughs> but he died with a legacy. And he died telling the Israelites, you have to make a choice. You're either going to be slaves to sin. You're going to be slaves for 40 years in the wilderness. You're going to be slaves back in Egypt again. And you're going to be that kind of slavery. Or you can become slaves of righteousness. You become slaves of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he becomes the master of your life. He's a great master to serve because he loves you. This master is the one that looks out for you. He has always in mind, this is what's best for my followers. This is what's best for my servants. And who doesn't want to serve a master like that? And so I beckon you from Paul and from Joshua and from God himself this morning. Choose today whom you will serve. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Scripture. That it says about Scripture that it is like a double-edged sword. That it cuts right to our hearts and cuts right through all the stuff in our life that distracts us. And God, 
this morning, I, I just feel such conviction that, that we have a choice to make, that we choose sin or we choose you. And it seems so simple, it's just, it's just one or the other, but God, yet it's so hard because our flesh and our sinful nature just beckons us to stay the way that we are. But the good news for all of us is that you love us, that you are patient with us, and that you have not forsaken us. And that because of the work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, we can have new life. So God, this morning I'm just praying that if anyone is outside of Christ, and maybe they've been the one that, yeah, I've pushed this decision down the road, I've pushed this decision down the road, I've pushed it down the road, I don't have to make it today. Lord, could today be the day of salvation? And Lord, there's probably many more here that said, I have made that decision to call Jesus master, but I've been following another master for quite some time. And God, the call in the heart for them this morning is to repent, to turn back to God, to leave the life of sin, to go on and sin no more, and to follow Jesus, and to stay close to your master because he loves us so much. God, I pray as we sing this song, we have these few moments as we contemplate things in our mind and in our heart. God, speak to us and move us to any decision you would have us to make. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.